What's up, Dialed fam? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Strength Training for Cyclists podcast by Dialed Health. My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, and I'm particularly stoked for today's episode because of two reasons. Number one, I don't have the pressure of the clock that I do normally. I have a little bit more time, and it's already making this process way more enjoyable. (laughs) Number two, and even more important, I have pre-answered all of the questions and written more notes and just spent more time really combing through these questions than normal. And I'm doing it because I want to make sure that I give you the best quality answer that I can. I mean, there's so many episodes where I immediately stop recording and think of all the great nuggets of information I missed. So hopefully that doesn't happen today. And I will say I already have some pre-organized rants, that's air quotes right here, organized rants that tie back into the question which I'm kind of proud of. So here is how the order is going to go. We're going to start out with a testimonial that will get you fired up for your training this week. And then we're going to go into a question about tracking food while you're riding. Obviously, it can be difficult. So I give you some tips and tricks there. Then we go into actually, this is sort of the organized rant of how many carbs you should eat per hour on the bike. This was from an IG post that I did this morning, actually. Oh, wait, not this morning, yesterday. What day is it? And I'll give you some actionable steps because I'm currently working on getting to the ideal place myself. Now, from there, we're going to go into a question about using adjustable weights. Are they better or worse than typical weights? Uh, Then we go into another question about, oh, excuse me, this isn't a question, but... This is more of a response to last week's episode on bike fit. Very insightful from a Dialed Fam member, and uh, I appreciated what he wrote, so I wanted to repeat that for you guys. And then we go into a quick topic chat by myself about guided workouts versus programs. Is it ideal to be on a program versus using random workouts? We're going to talk about the difference and, and why. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. And I got to ask, if you are enjoying it, please screenshot it and tag me in your Instagram story, Dialed Health. That'd be amazing to spread the word. We are getting very close to hitting our member goals for the year, uh, and especially since I went full-time online. So I thank you for the support. If you have any questions or you want to submit your own question, you can email me at my new pro email address account. It's Derek at dialedhealth.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at dialedhealth.com. Thank you very much. Let's get into it. I have some very deep rooted reasons why I do what I do, why I've chosen this career path and just where my mindset's at to be productive on a day-to-day basis. However, there are certain messages I get that really get me fired up and remind me of why I'm doing it all. And this was one of those. So this is from at Jocko1980 on Instagram. He just sent me a simple DM and here's what it said. Hi, Derek. I've done two complete weeks of strength training and dialed health already. Just writing to let you know that the site is awesome and that I'm loving the sessions. Looking forward to training more with it and get super strong on the bike. Thank you. That's it. Simple, clean, and it just means so much that someone would take the time to let me know that they're using the product, they're enjoying it, and that they're already noticing the results. So I'm, I, I don't know. That kind of thing is just that quick little hit of like, oh man, this is why we're doing it. Because as much as I want people in their day-to-day life to be at an optimal level of health, 
man, I want them to have good rides like even more because I know how much bikes can really change people's lives and how much a good ride can translate into the rest of your life. You come home in a better mood. You treat your family better. You're more re-energized for work. You're kind of relaxed. Maybe you were stressed and just getting that energy out was enough for you to come back to a, a place of uh, level-headedness. You know, you're clearer thinking. It's, it's nature, it's adrenaline, and it's fitness all at the same time. Riding is the best. And if my job can make you enjoy rides more, it just, it's so much deeper than what you would almost think. Um, so anyways, Jocko, thanks for that, bro. That was rad. And uh, let's jump into the questions. So first question, this is from at Jeremy.Jason. Here's what he says. Kind of a long question. Hang on with me. Because uh, he gives some examples of kind of what he did and what the ride was like. And uh, I'll follow up with my answer. So he says, do you have any tips on the food you eat during a ride? Excuse me. <laughs> I already blew it. <laughs> do you have any tips on tracking the food you eat during a ride? I was super motivated for this until I got home after a ride and realized how much I needed to enter and figure out. Like I brought four separate flavors of Cliff Bars. I made a custom drink mix with Gatorade, powder, and maltodextrin, stopped at a gas station and bought some random cinnamon roll and got a bottle full of Powerade from the fountain and then snacked on some caramel candies too. He also confirms, by the way, uh, this, it was a six and a half hour ride because as I was reading this, I was like, holy smokes, dude, I hope you can back this up with some miles, seriously, because that's a lot of food. So yeah, he says it's a six and a half hour ride. So I easily burned off the calories consumed. Do you still track when this happens? Is this one of those times where you can just do the best you can and don't stress, just be as accurate as possible when you can? So in short, the final question, yeah, it is one of those times, but there is no reason that you can't track all of the food and all of the liquid calories you're consuming during a ride. You just have to be intentional to pick either pre-packaged foods that have a label that you can scan or foods that are very easily added or searchable on MyFitnessPal. So a banana is a great example. You could just write one medium-sized banana. You could weigh your banana beforehand, or you could just say, I got an apple. You know, when you get a random cinnamon roll, or you fill up, you know, your uh, random cup at a gas station with, you know, who knows amount of ounces of Powerade or liters of Powerade or whatever. You're kind of just leaving too much room for air. And it, again, this depends on your goals. If you're tracking and you're trying to lose body fat, this is very important. Also, if you're trying to figure out what is optimal as far as your ride nutrition goes or hit certain numbers and metrics there, which we'll go into in a second, then you really do need to know what you're doing. Um, so my big thing would be, for one, commit to eating only foods that you can track. Now, remember, this is still a very wide amount of food. In fact, that's what I love about tracking the most. You have the least amount of restriction than any other diet, period. There are, but there's still going to be things that you can't really track. So Although it's not everything, it's pretty dang close. And the better you get at tracking, the more experienced you are, the more accurate you can get at eyeballing stuff. I've brought this up before, but I've been impressed by even watching, you know, vlogs of uh, bodybuilders who have been tracking for year in, years in, years out. And I don't know if I said that expression right, but <laughs> they've been tracking forever and you'll watch them guess uh, macros on foods that they're eating before they actually look at the label. And the only reason I guess I believe them is because I've done it myself and it's freaky how close you can get. It's so freaky. So, uh, the more experienced, the closer you can get to eyeballing it. Now you're committed on your ride foods to eat only foods that are trackable. 
if you're on a ride like this, uh, or if you're on a ride and you just like emptying your pockets when you get a chance, which is what I do, um, I don't want a bunch of sticky wrappers in my pockets. I would pre-enter all of your ride food before you go out because most likely you're not going to throw out a $3 honey stinger waffle <laughs> uh, if it's not eaten. So the food that you come back with is way easier to just go to your tracking list and take it off. So if you didn't eat the food, go back to your list, subtract it, and that's all you have to do, opposed to you know keeping all your wrappers. You're tired. Excuse me. Oh my gosh, I'm just burping all over the place now. But you know, you're tired. You it's just like the last thing you want to do is remember every single thing you ate. So I would do it beforehand uh, and just eliminate from the list what you did not eat. Now I'm looking over to make sure I didn't miss any notes. Uh, I don't think I did. So let's go into how many grams of carbs to eat per hour and why. Now this is a separate uh, rant, but it goes along obviously because we're talking about ride nutrition. Now, recently I heard while listening to the Trainer Road podcast that Jonathan Lee, Nate, uh, Chad and those guys are eating 100 grams of carbs per hour or more. So here's what that means. It means that their goal is to basically replace all of the calories that they are expending during their ride. It's very normal for people to, on average, you know, burn 400 calories an hour on the bike. And that's essentially what 100 grams of carbs are. It's, you know, uh, every gram of carb has four calories. So if you have 100 grams of carbs, you have 400 calories worth of carbs. That's kind of where that number comes from. And because they're at a higher fitness level, they're doing more like 110 grams of carbs, 115. I could have swore someone said like 120. I, I'm going to be honest, that blew my mind because... I, it makes sense on very long rides, but I would always just naturally expect that you'd come back from your ride in a little bit of a deficit. And here's the thing though, you can't just go out and eat this amount. I mean, I have to not only train the habit, but you also have to you know, shop for the food, bring the food, uh, understand what sits well in your stomach. Like a lot of people are very vocal about how gels just don't sit well with them, but there is a certain amount of training that it comes down to. So just hearing this was like, wow, this is crazy because I maybe eat 25 grams of carbs per hour. Um, you know, and longer rides, I'll, I'll maybe not eat for the first 90 minutes. And then, I mean, as I'm saying this, it, it sounds terrible, but then I'll have, you know, let's just say 50 grams of carbs and then I'll have 75 grams of carbs and then 25 grams of carbs the next hour. So for me this weekend, I did a 85 mile pretty smasher ride. It, like the intensity was about as high as I could have held it for 85 miles. We did like 6,000 feet of climbing, a group of four. We averaged almost 19 miles an hour. I mean, it was pretty sick, but I had to force myself to reach in my pocket and grab food within the first hour. Cause I just wasn't hungry. You know, I had oatmeal right before I had some coffee. It's, you just have to do it before you feel like you need it. And that's when the process starts. And even in that first hour, I think it was like an hour and a half we stopped, I got a Red Bull. I got some liquid calories, some more caffeine. And I had to push myself to say, hey, you can handle more. But even then, on the first few hours of that ride, I was still only taking in 50 to like 75 grams of carbs per hour. And I really didn't want any more than that. So although I felt very good throughout the ride, I know that I could be fueling more and it's just going to take a little bit of training. Um, and what is typical, and I think you'll probably relate to this, is on a big ride, 
you might maybe you don't feel as much the first couple hours and then all of a sudden like hour three you're just ready to eat and i kind of had that moment it was four hours in we stopped at a gas station i got a pepsi i got a roll of double stuff oreos and i was just you know sloshing that cola around while i'm chewing up that oh man that vegan cookie oh so good i'm getting too excited thinking about it uh, oreos are vegan by the way and uh, they are scientifically proven to be the perfect balance between sweet and salty. I'm very vocal about that. They were incredible. Um, <laughs> I, I did not even track how much it was. Uh, it was easily 100 grams of carbs that hour, no doubt. But uh, what I would say is to, first off, get to a place where you can track your food on your ride and just focus on the carbs for now. You are mostly burning carbs on typical rides that are over, you know, you're out of your zone two. Uh, you're going to be anytime you're close to sweet spot threshold, you're going to be just burning carbs. Um, most people, you know, their heart rate gets over like 120 and you're just full on burning carbs, maybe even lower than that. But that I don't want to go down that realm because it's very individual there. I would just say focus on the grams of carbs you're taking in and start experimenting. Set a small goal. Right now, my goal is 50 to 75 grams of carbs per hour. And that's what I'm going to try and hit. I know that adding liquids helps. I know that sometimes though, if I'm just constantly taking in like sugar, I just feel bogged down. So there is a time to have just, you know, just drink water. Um, do I mix a gel with a bar? Do I have gummies? Um, so experiment yourself, set a small goal, and just don't feel like you need to jump to that many grams of carbs per hour. Because really what that does is helps aid your long-term performance because you're never going into these huge deficits. Uh, your body's always fueled the way it needs to be. When you have those nutrients in your system, you can recover faster. And someone actually on my Instagram post talking about this said, hey, you know, what if you are just doing a 60-minute ride and you're going out for a smasher? You know, am I going to just eat? Like, when am I going to eat on that if I don't feel like I need to? <clears throat> my suggestion would be to just bring a, a drink mix, honestly, you know, take in 25 grams of carbs while you're on that ride at some point or smash a gel halfway into the ride. And then at least you'll probably finish feeling decent, but then you're going to have to refuel. You're going to have to have a meal that is higher calorie than normal, higher carb than normal. And that's totally okay. Uh, but trying to get it in relatively soon and replacing those calories is ideal. You know, it's not that you have to have your post-workout meal you know, right away. I think it depends on protein intake throughout the day and spacing it out. And there's, there is a lot of, again, directions we can go with that. But I would just say, if you're going to go out for a short ride, bring a gel, bring some drink mix, try and get in at least 25 grams of carbs during that ride at some point. Then you'll come back not feeling absolutely just like ready to drink maple syrup out of the jar. Uh, but you can actually have a higher carb meal at that point. Or if you know that when you get back, you have a higher carb snack to replenish those calories burnt on the ride. And you can take that in immediately. Even if that just ties you over to your next meal, that's going to be ideal for your recovery. Because just sitting without that nutrition in your system and your body can't really pull from it as easily is when you start slowing down the recovery process uh, to say it simply. So that's my recommendation there. Um, really there's no tricks to it. Um, I would definitely say to avoid the bro science of adaptation through starvation. Uh, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So basically it's another topic, but what someone had commented and why it came up was because 
someone goes on my Instagram, they say, hey, I used to do fasted rides. Since I've been eating more, I, br- I bring, uh, I think they said they bring like a goo roctane mix or something like that. They just feel so much better now that they're eating on rides. And the fasted ride thing, because of fat burning and yada, 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 there are really good reasons to do it, but there's so many other va- variables to actually nail it. To do it correctly in a way that's beneficial is more complex than just going out and not eating. And when you go out and just don't eat, don't think that you are going to get better or adapt to that starved starvation state. What you're going to do is just damage your body. You're going to break it down. You're going to slow down everything. You're going to slow down your metabolism, which again, some people find an advantage. Well, oh, well, I don't have to eat as much on rides, but most likely you're breaking down more muscle tissue. You know, you're using that for fuel because you don't have any glycogen in your system. Maybe you are burning more fat, but you're going slower. I, I could guarantee you're going slower. Who wants to go slower? I mean, I have friends that have done this. Um, I, this even comes over into the use of like electrolytes. Um, <laughs> Spencer Rathcamp, uh, my man. You can't, you're not going to get more from electrolytes. <laughs> Sorry to call you out, bro. You're not going to get, basically there's a theory out there where it's like, okay, if I use electrolytes at, on all my rides or every day, they're not going to be as effective on race days. And that's just not true. I mean, maybe your body adapts to it slightly. Obviously it does that with caffeine. Uh, the way your body has receptors for attaching to caffeine and, you know, using it for real, that real jolt, it does adapt. It does take more and more. Eventually some people switch to nicotine. There's all sorts of strategies there. Uh, but electrolytes don't you, okay. Don't you want your training to be as fueled as possible? Don't you want to stay as hydrated as possible? Aren't those things going to make you faster long-term than skipping out and then just adding them in on race day? So really think about this crazy bro science. How does adaptation through starvation make sense? How does that make you faster? It doesn't. It just beats you down. Maybe it makes you more mentally strong. I mean, it probably does. If you're choosing to do it, if somehow freakishly you're enjoying your ride and you're coming out of it, or, you know, maybe you get to a point where you didn't bring enough food and you're in that state, but you can just handle it better and at least get home. That, that is important. However, I think, and this is just my experience. If you ride frequently enough, you're going to get to that point no matter what. It's inevitable. You're not always going to bring the perfect amount of food. There's going to be a day where you just didn't grab that bottle or you didn't bring enough water. You just underestimated the ride and you just are underfueled and you feel terrible. You're going to have to fight through that at some point, no matter what. So to do it intentionally, come on now, you guys, this is what I'm so surprised about in cycling in general and mountain biking, all this stuff is that Although there is so much data and people can be so science focused, the amount of bro science in these sports that holds people back is unreal. And really, in my opinion, people get so opinionated about these topics where they're like, oh, but you can't do that or oh, stretching doesn't make a difference or oh, you shouldn't foam roll or this, that, those kind of things. Really, in my, you know what I hear? I hear someone who's saying, I'm not going to admit that works because I don't want to do it. I don't want to put out the work. I don't want to make the effort. I don't want myself to feel less than, so I'm just going to put it down and say it doesn't work. That's what I hear. Do you know why? Because I talk to people who are literally doing that. And I'm like, in person, online, it's all the time. People like 
just put up these barriers so that they don't feel obligated to do something. And I just want you to know, no one can do everything, but are you going to like keep lying to yourself? I hope not. I hope not. If honestly, the, one of the biggest things I preach in dialed health in general is honesty. If you can't honestly accept where you're at currently, it's going to be so difficult to make progress. I really hope you know that because you'll never make the next right move. If you're always thinking of yourself better than you actually are, then how do you really get to the next step? You know, it's like, when you're improving, you're not going from freaking A to, to D. You're not going from A to Z. You're going from like lowercase A to uppercase A and then to a lowercase B. And then guess what? Bad week. You went back to an uppercase A <laughs> and that's how it goes. So keep that all in mind. My organized rant turned into a little bit more of a rant than expected. Uh, but I hope this added some value to you guys. Be intentional about what you decide to do in regards to your fueling on your rides. Uh, be intentional to how many carbs you want to eat. Try it out. Experiment. It's not going to be perfect the first time, but you can make improvements if you try. Our next question is from at underscore Austin N. He says, what are your thoughts on adjustable weights? I know you obviously use a full set of weights because you have the resources, but I'm wondering if you know of any immediate detractors to adjustable kettlebells or dumbbells versus set weights. Depending on the brand, I think it breaks out a little cheaper for adjustable weights compared to separate weights, but I don't think the difference is huge. So immediately I would say I love adjustable weights. The biggest reason that I don't have them is the obvious. I have a training studio up until very recently. I was training a large number of people in person. A lot of my sessions were one-on-one, -on -one, but I also had group sessions. You know, I, there were times where I had up to 10 people at a time in here, uh, which was insanity. But you need obviously multiple weights. You can't share adjustable weights. That's why I don't have them. And even if I at the state I'm at right now with the online training, I think that for the content, having separate weights is a really good idea. Just it's not as distracting, in my opinion. However, I grew up, my initial strength training program I ever did, I'm very vocal about it, was P90X. <laughs> Uh, well, the first one I was very focused on as a strength training program alone. I did do other training programs with strength coaches uh, through racing, but the one I really committed to is that. And I used those adjustable weights. I absolutely loved them. And I highly recommend them if you do uh, set up a garage gym because number one, they just don't take up that much space. If you look at a full rack of dumbbells, like I have a rack that goes from five to 70 and they're five pound increments and it still takes up quite a bit of room. Honestly, if you have adjustable weights, you could have one handle on, well, you know, one set of handles that go from five to a hundred pounds. And it's going to be in a, like, a two by two square foot radius, you know, on this little stand. It's amazing. So I really recommend them. Um, for dumbbells in particular, it's going to be rare that you're limited to not doing a movement because of the shape of a lot of these. Like PowerBlock are, uh, is the brand I've used for adjustable dumbbells. And Bowflex makes them. Yes, they actually do make a great set. There's some different shapes out there. 
But I remember there was a couple random things that I couldn't quite do because of the shape. Uh, power block, your hand is kind of deep into the dumbbell and it's very blocky, uh, very flat corners. And there was, I think maybe it was like a kettlebell swing modification with the dumbbell I couldn't do. I remember there's just a couple things. It was random, it was weird, uh, but I doubt you're gonna be very limited by them. So highly recommend adjustable dumbbells. Now, adjustable kettlebells are very hit and miss. I will tell you that a lot of adjustable dumbbells are it, it kind of designed with like swinging in mind only or like squatting in mind only where you'd have it in a goblet rack position or you're just swinging it. When you're going through flows or doing different variations of presses with the kettlebell, you're going to be in that rack position and that kettlebell has to sit on your wrist essentially. It's it, Well, it's on your arm and you have to get used to it even with a nice round smooth kettlebell because it can be more pressure on your forearm than you're used to. Uh, I promise you will get used to it if you are consistent for a few weeks with them. Like I never noticed pain in my arm, uh, but a lot of people, in fact, when they're learning will wear like a wristband or something like that. When I've done, I've done a few kettlebell certifications, but every single time, especially the people that are new there, you're practicing so many different things and uh, you just, a lot of people wear bandanas around their arm. A lot of people wear wristbands. Um, I never did. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a total tough guy, but hey, you know, your boy's got some den dense bones. I I've taken a lot of hits in my lifetime, so I never had a problem with it. But anyways, adjustable kettlebells are, they can be shaped so sharply on the end that like, it's almost impossible to press. Like it's so uncomfortable. So I would just make sure that if you do get an adjustable set, um, like Chris from the, uh, who hosts the downtime podcast, I've been talking to him and he just got a adjustable kettlebell that it's great. It's super smooth, super round. Uh, as long as you can find something like that, make sure the handle has a rounded corner. It can have like a flat top, but just make sure there's not like a sharp corner ever. And, uh, you're probably going to be good to go there. So yeah, highly recommend. Uh, also you are going to notice a significant difference in the pricing, uh, between a power block set and, you know, a full rack of dumbbells, you know, like I'll just say the rack of dumbbells I have, it's like $1,200 and they're nice. They're going to last forever. They're by rogue. They're brand new. Uh, but you know, it's like 1200 bucks. So, uh, you could buy a set of power blocks for $300 that are going to basically last just as long. So keep that in mind. Oh, also I will say most of the time when you have these adjustable weights, they may not be as durable as normal weights. Obviously, if I have a rubber dumbbell, I can throw that thing off a building. It's going to be fine. Uh, maybe you'll chip the corner of, a, of the rubber or something like that. But a lot of these adjustable dumbbells and adjustable kettlebells will have more metal and plastic in them, and they're not quite as durable. So keep that in mind. But again, as long as you're not just flinging them around like recklessly or just intentionally dropping them from overhead, you're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're still going to last forever. Um, so the next, uh, it's not really a question. This is more feedback on the last episode. So we're just going to talk about it briefly. Uh, he wrote me a few, it's like a paragraph here about in regards to the bike fit. So I talked about bike fits last week and just my general consensus that I believe too many people are riding mountain bikes that are too big. And I also noted that road bikes, fittings were more about ergonomics and way more simple because once you know your frame size, uh, you're pretty much just go to a fitting and you're good. But he had some really good insight. So this is at uh, Rondel Canada. Here's what he had to say. I was just listening to the latest podcast on bike fit. Some thoughts to consider. 
what is a 54 centimeter bike anymore? What is the 54 between two brands? Having had a similar mindset that I'm uh, 56 because I've always been a 56, I've since changed that view after some extensive bike fitting 18 months ago. Biggest suggestion these days, especially if you're going to buy a bike and get a fit, is to do the fit first. Fit the bike to the rider, not the rider to the bike. Once you know your proper fit, you can you can then go about figuring out which frames work best for that fit, road and MTB. It's an even bigger deal on road because of the limitations on adjustments on newer frames, but it's just as important on MTB. I share your view, too many people on frames too big to begin with. Some then when designers make them longer and slacker, it just exacerbates the problem. So that was, I thought, incredible feedback. You know, what he said about fit the bike to the rider, not the rider to the bike. I mean, that's a little mind-blowing moment right there. I love that. So I wanted to bring it up. Very good idea. And it makes me think, oh my gosh, like, you know, before I try and lock into a new bike, should I have a fit on it first? Um, I think it's something I'm going to absolutely consider and definitely try and do. I think also we should note, you know, really like on the road bike, you're in that fixed position for so much longer than you are on a mountain bike uh, that I do believe the fit is even that much more important. However, I could see if you're wildly off on your mountain bike fit, how you know, it would just not work. Like if you, or cause more problems than I had previously mentioned on the last episode. Uh, so if you want to know more about that, you can go to back to the last episode and hear my rant about how people are just on bikes too big. But, um, that was a very good note and I appreciate it. Cause I asked for that feedback. So thank you very much. Uh, let's get into the quick topic chat. Now, this is for dialed fan members, and this is in regards to using guided workouts versus programs. Now, if you are not currently a dialed fan member, really the difference between guided workouts on the website versus the programs is that the guided workouts are individual. It's one workout that you can follow at any given point in time. It's to they're all total body. There are core focused workouts with no equipment, but they all have the same training principles and follow the guidelines of my philosophy but they're not structured long-term like a program is. A program is periodized. It's long-term. There's a lot more science backing it. Um, and I want to kind of talk about why you would choose one versus the other because they're both there for a reason. Now, initially, I only had program options on my website. Uh, we've been upgrading a lot, changing a lot. And what I realized is that, especially it, when the pandemic started, I needed to respond to people obviously not having as much gym access. And even though I do have a no equipment uh, program, that's two full months, I have a dumbbell only program that is three full months. And I have other full access gym programs, but I was like, man, I almost need something for people to just like bust out in their living room real quick, you know, uh, like minimal thinking, like what could that be? And that's when I did an Instagram live workout and I realized I was like, oh my gosh, I just need to go again, full P90X style on them and do an actual guided video. So now I have guided videos for if you only have one kettlebell, a TRX, a single loop band or no equipment at all and you wanna do core. We also have guided uh, mobility routines and we have three uploaded in every single category now and we're about to add the fourth. So we're, having, we're gonna have basically 16 plus workouts. We're gonna keep adding to this library and here's why you would want to use those versus a program. So really, um, guided, guided workouts are ideal for convenience. I'm going back to my notes here. <laughs> Can you tell the, uh, the switch? 
they're ideal for convenience because you press play and you go. Um, they, they really help with your pacing also because like what I would recommend everyone doing is if you can't get all of the reps of each workout, I don't expect everyone to be able to, they're very difficult, but you could just leave the video running and at least you know, this is a 35 minute long video. That's all I'm in for, 35 minutes. I'm gonna do everything I can in that 35 minutes and follow along as best as I can. And what's cool from that is that you'll see the progress naturally when you start completing sets, maybe that you didn't before, or you just got more reps on something than you did before. Um, or you can start the next round and not have to feel like you need more rest time. So that is a really cool way to just turn your brain off. You know how long it's gonna be. You have one piece of equipment or no equipment. Uh, based off what you choose and you can just get down to work. I, I think that's awesome. And really because I'm explaining all of the movements in real time, you have that ability to not, I guess you don't need to do the research beforehand like you would on the programs. Um, so there's that. Then you have the programs, which like I said, they're periodized, which just means that you typically go from like a endurance stability phase all the way through uh, strength phase, muscle gain, power. Uh, well, usually muscle gains before strength, but sometimes they're blended. It depends on the program, but the real concept is by the time you're at the end of your program, you're going to be at peak power. And so it's nice when you're timing events. Uh, some people like the long-term structure. And also as far as turning off your brain goes, because you repeat the same workout usually four times before you move on to the next phase and next set of workouts, then you actually kind of like the last two, you don't really have to look at the program too much. You know, you can refer to, um, you know, like what weights maybe you're using or some, something like that, a reminder on the form, but you can kind of just turn your brain off and go. That I think that's what's really nice. And they're very easy to see progress because you do the same workout, you know, four weeks in a row. Some people extend the actual phases to out to six weeks. So, you know, by the last three times through the workout, you basically can do it with your eyes closed, which is pretty dang cool. And, you know, you go from that point of, just fully like needing to focus on every movement to almost autonomously moving through them and you know increasing your weight i think it's so cool so that's why you'd use a program versus the guided workouts i'll honestly say if you are consistent with guided workouts you're gonna you can make huge progress i personally am someone who does pretty sporadic workouts like i haven't done a complete program in quite a while i always enjoy it because it's so, it's like, it's just so fun to be on the structure sometimes. I'm sure you all understand that. Like you just, sometimes you wouldn't have just chosen certain things for yourself and then you do it and it just was challenging, but you make it through and you feel like you got so much better. So, um, but I don't, I don't really do that. I just know, you know, the seven effective movements. I know that I'm doing two total body sessions a week. And a lot of it comes down to me experimenting to build programs for you guys or to film content. So I'm kind of at the mercy of that a little bit, but I still make huge progress because I don't miss and I'm consistent. So if you're someone who knows I'm just going to use the guided workouts for consistency, then, you know, or, and I'm going to be consistent, you're going to have incredible results. But if you're someone who wants to just do a program for the timing and everything or just the structure, I think that's equally as effective. Also, 
If you want to use full gym access, which is very effective, you're going to need to follow the full program. And I'll even have people mix them. Some people who want a third day of training, if their riding volume is kind of low, it's easy to, to mix in one guided workout that really supports whatever program or phase they're on. So that is an option for you. And if it's something you'd like to consider, please reach out. I'd love to kind of help you through that process. I'll tell you guys what, that felt pretty dang good. I hope those questions were relevant to you. And again, if you have a specific question that you want me to cover, please email me, Derek at dialedhealth.com. That's D-E-R-E-K at dialedhealth.com. And I will be sure to answer your question on the podcast. The more information you can give me about your situation and details to the type of answer you're looking for, uh, that will be super helpful. So thank you for that. And before we go, I want to give you some kind of thoughts that are on my mind today. I was spinning on the trainer and I was thinking about the upcoming year. And one of the things we're going to be starting with with Dialed Health is the Dialed Health Shred. That's going to be going on in January. And we're going to be doing it a shorter version than we did last year. Last year essentially was the trial run and it was great. We had a lot of amazing results from it, but there's a few things that happened. For one, I wasn't as engaged as I really had hoped to be. Uh, I can blame it on the pandemic, this or that, but you know, I want this to be something where you sign up and are getting fed with content that is very supportive of what you're doing. And I, I don't personally feel like I lived up to that. So that's something I'd like to address. It's going to be shorter. We're going to be doing 30 day challenge. And that's essentially going to be to, you know, keep people's attention spans up. And my goal is going to be to help guide people through that 30 days if they want to continue, which I hope they do. Uh, but I was thinking for myself, like, I want to get to a place where I just get like freaky shredded, like sick, just looking diced, crazy. I want to look like a freak at some point. And uh, I know that sounds so stupid, but I'm just curious, you know, like what could I kind of do? And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, like I do appreciate aesthetics, and, you know, I've, I've been a personal trainer for almost 10 years. Like, I know how hard it is for people to look a certain way, especially drug-free. So, you know, it, there's an appreciation to it that I really admire. And I think that at me being a part of this is very, very important. And I'm maintaining a place now where to go further, I have to get, like, real gnarly. <laughs> really gnarly. So that's what I want to do. And... The thing is, though, I'm also I'm having twins in January. I'm sure you know that by now because I keep talking about it because <laughs> it's still a shock to me that it's actually happening. But the thought of doing a hardcore tracking phase the same month my twins are due it seems like it's more of a bad idea than I initially realized. So I'm like, do I? I, I it's very. I'm doing that. I'm gonna do the shred, but it might make more sense for me to do it sooner than uh, January, but it's also the holidays. So it's not like ideal timing. However, um, I, it, I think it'd be easier to probably do it during the holidays than to do it, you know, during freaking <laughs> uh, these twins showing up. Like, I, I don't know. I just, all the bottles, all the poop, oh, it's going to be so many bottles and poop, but you know, also putting my food on the scale at that point is it really is going to be tough and i'm still running my business there's a lot of transitions there a lot of big things i'd like to do obviously with <laughs> obviously 
obviously, with the Dialed Health Shred going on, there's going to be even more kind of content and communication going out. So anyways, that's just kind of my mindset process. Um, I'm just trying to be smart. I know it's possible to do it at that time, but I'm thinking about how I could be the best dad and husband. And I think there might be some conflictions there. Uh, so I would, I don't know. I, uh, I'm just totally throwing it out there to you guys. I might do it sooner than later. I might also, I don't, okay. My big goal this year personally is to get to five Watts per kilo on the bike. That's like my fitness goal. And so I know that I could drop some weight in fat, um, but obviously keeping my power up and increasing my power during that time, although I do believe it's very possible is another thing I need to think about. Cause my initial thought was I will get two five Watts per kilo at my current weight and then drop weight, uh, in January. And then I could just focus on like my, my actual power on the bike and not ever worry about being in a deficit and feeling a little drained because even though I promise you, it's you're probably going to feel more energized than drained if you're only in a 500 calorie deficit. There's going to be some days. There's just going to be some days where you don't quite have it, and you're not going to be bummed if you're losing fat like the way you want to. But um, for it to knock your performance here and there, it's very likely. Again, it's not as frequent as you think. Trust me on this. I've been through this process before, so uh, you just have to be smart with how you're doing it. You got to refuel for your rides. You got to put carbs around your rides. And so anyways, I think that I'm just going to, I think doing the body fat loss and the power increase at the same time might be easier than tracking all my food while twins are here and getting to, you know, we're talking like 7% body fat. So yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, total candid conversation. Sorry if it sounds completely douchey to you. I understand. Um, really I'm focused on health and happiness and performance more than aesthetics at all times. But uh, this is just like one of those fun variables for me. And also, um, you know, I would be just lying to you if I didn't say it helped uh, attract people through marketing. It really just does, you know. It's Instagram. It's all the stuff. Um, and again, it's just uh, it's just part of the game, I guess. So we're doing it. I'll figure out the timing. Just throwing it out to you guys and letting you know where my head's at. Well, I think we absolutely nailed it. I want to thank you guys for listening all the way till the end, even through my personal rant uh, about what's coming up with the Dial Health Shred. And I really want to encourage you to push yourselves this week to start moving forward and to really grow in that area that you've been wanting to. There's no better time than now. And I really believe that if you just make the choice, you can make it happen because starting sooner than later is always... <laughs> always something that you will be happy about because you know what? It's just going to take longer than you expect. I think almost anything I'm in this process right now with the website, trust me, it just takes longer than you expect. When you start or make the decision to start, you'll realize that there's probably some obstacles in the way that you didn't expect. And that's why you'll be happy you started now opposed to later. Absolutely crush the week. I will see you guys next Wednesday.